welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I'm your coach, Jess, bringing you a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and soul. As 2022 is winding down, it's supposed to be the most magical time of the year, but sometimes it can feel anything but magical. Extra expenses, extra events, extra stress, extra grief for the people we've lost, extra food and sugar everywhere, extra emotional eating. I can help. This is what I care so much about, helping you have the real self-care of designing a life that you don't need to numb out from. So I decided I wanted to feel and share the magic of generosity and make some of my normally paid resources completely free until the end of 2022. My self-care keto holiday guide, normally priced at $19, is completely free. It'll help you design a holiday that you love because it's your holiday too. You don't have to resign yourself to stress, exhaustion, deprivation, discomfort, and shame this holiday season. Go get your free download at bit.ly slash self-care keto holiday. I also usually offer a different mindset class each month priced at $22, but this month it's completely free and it's a class on how to reduce your emotional eating by meeting the real unmet needs you have where food is just playing a substitute. You can get that class at bit.ly slash meeting my own needs. The links for both are in the show notes. On the podcast, we're doing an emotional eating series, all about how to reduce our emotional eating by addressing our unmet needs and unset boundaries. I'm sharing some previously recorded Instagram lives on this topic, so you might hear some dated references or notice me engaging with someone in the chat. This content is so transformative, and I know you're going to love it. So listen in, and I'll see you on the other side. We're going to be talking about selfishness versus self-love today. So why are we talking about this? Isn't this um, about losing weight with keto? How does this relate? Well, we do a lot of mindset work um, as in coaching together. So remember that we are very layered individuals. And so a lot of times when we're setting a weight loss goal for ourselves, we tend to just focus on the outermost layers. So we want to change our results. And so the layer right below our results is our behavior. And so, so often we just stay at these two levels. If I change my behavior, I will get different results. And yes, that is absolutely true. But how many times have you failed, you know, at sticking with changing your behavior long-term? It only lasts about as long as our willpower. So remember that we are very layered. There's lots more layers underneath our behavior, and that includes our thoughts and our feelings. And then at the very core of us lies our beliefs. And so in order to change our behavior long-term, we actually have to go all the way down to the core and change our beliefs surrounding that. So that's what I love to do with the clients that I work with is actually get all the way down to the belief level and realize, okay, what is the toxic belief or the limiting belief or the untrue belief that we're actually holding onto here so that we can just gain awareness of that, gain some self-compassion around that, ask ourselves, is this really true? Do I really believe this? And then once we can um, make progress in that area and hold on to a new belief that we do believe is true, then that's going to effortlessly and naturally affect all the other layers. It's going to change our thoughts. It's going to change our feelings. It's going to change our behaviors and it's going to change our results long-term. So have you ever wondered if something is selfish versus self-love? Let's dig into that. Um, We've been talking about setting boundaries as a way to reduce emotional eating. I've been eating keto for about eight years now, and keto helped me so, so, so much to change 
what I was eating, when I would emotionally eat. I have struggled with emotional eating my entire life. If you are a human, you probably have too because every single person, I don't care who you are, you have emotionally eaten at one point or another and that's okay, that's actually normal. It's a normal part of being human. And it, it can be very self-soothing to have food when we are um, experiencing either a positive or a negative emotion. It can be a way to celebrate, it could be a way to numb, it could be a way to self-soothe. Um, so if you have ever struggled with emotional eating, give me a heart right now. Thank you guys. Um, so the way that I actually reduced my emotional eating was not with keto. Uh, again, keto actually helped me to change the foods that I was eating. So instead of eating total garbage, um, I was eating foods instead that actually blessed my body. Hey, uh, Garth David. Hey to you. I see your message. Thank you for being here. So guys, if you have any questions uh, that you want to talk about, uh, drop it in the live stream as we're chatting here. So again, keto helped me to change what I was eating. So instead of eating foods like just awful for me, inflammatory foods, I instead started eating foods that actually blessed my body. So I was having some whole food treats, you know, when I needed to, when I felt the need to soothe with food. And that was so transformational because you're trying to make yourself feel better when you emotionally eat. But if you're eating foods that are going to make you feel awful, then you have failed at making yourself feel better. Maybe for just a minute, you feel a little bit better. And then as surely, you know, right after that, now you're feeling awful, disgusting. You're feeling guilt. You're feeling shame. You're feeling physically uncomfortable. And this can last, you know, the whole next day. And then you repeat it over and over and over again. So I realized that for me, although keto really helped me to make a lot of progress in that area, there were still some mindset issues that I really needed to deal with in order to reduce my emotional eating. And so I started making a pact with myself that every time I would emotionally eat, I would have a little meeting with myself. I would sit down, I would bust out my journal, and I would start to inquire and go a little bit deeper. What was the unmet need? what was I actually feeling in that moment that I was trying to numb or stop feeling or soothe? So what was the emotion? What did I actually need instead in that moment? Because the food was just a substitute, right? So what was the real unmet need? How can I prevent myself from feeling this way again in the future? Because we all, we emotionally eat over and over and over again because we're feeling the same negative feelings over and over and over again. So what can we do to help ourselves to stop getting in those cycles of negative emotions? Is it guilt? Is it anger? Is it exhaustion? Is it frustration? Um, you know, whatever it might be that you're continuing to feel over and over and over again. Well, why are we feeling that way? Probably because there's an unmet need or an unset boundary in our lives. So how do you know where you need to set a boundary? Ask yourself, where do I feel resentment? In my life. And that is a sure indicator of a place that you need to set up a boundary. So I started doing this work with myself and that is truly what helped me to reduce my emotional eating. I don't want to use the word overcome. I don't want to say stop because I think that's pretty unrealistic to think that we will never emotionally eat again or that we've conquered it forever and ever. That's not real. That's, that's not even a good goal to aim for because that's perfection, right? And there's no such thing as perfection. So, but I've made so much progress in this area by asking myself, what is the unmet need or what is the unset boundary and starting to set up boundaries in my life. So the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about reasons why we don't set boundaries. And so I'll let you guys go back and listen to the podcast or check out previous episodes if you're interested in hearing more about the first couple of reasons. Um, but today I wanna talk about this 
big lie that I hear people say over and over and over again. Well, it's selfish. And particularly if you are a woman, I feel like we are more socially conditioned to never, ever, ever be selfish. Like the epitome of like being a good wife and mother is to just be so selfless and to basically be like a martyr and put everybody else's needs above yourself. And I'm not saying that men don't feel this way. Um, but I feel like it's very pronounced because it's, um, it's basically like part of the ideal feminine image is to be selfless, to have no needs of your own and to just be able to give, give, give. But there's so many women that are doing this over and over again. And at the end of the day, you're feeling so exhausted. You're feeling so resentful. You're feeling so, um, like your needs are not being met. And so what we do at that point is we try to take it for ourselves. And instead of giving ourselves what we need, now we're taking what we need. And a lot of times this shows up as emotional eating. So how do you know if something is selfish versus self-love, self-loving? Well, it's all about the energy because I think that basically you could do the same exact action and that action could be rooted in selfishness or that action could be rooted in self-love. And so how can you tell the difference? So let's compare just for a second, let's set aside selfishness and let's choose something different. So a lot of times it's easier to process something if you can think of it in, in another example, how does it show up? So there's this idea of jealousy, right? And so can jealousy be good or, or is jealousy always bad? I had a client the other day that I was working with and she told me that she's about to take a road trip. And I was like, oh, very cool, where are you going? What are you doing? And she said that spontaneously, she and her husband saw Carrie Underwood tickets on sale and that they decided to buy them and they're gonna take a road trip to go to this concert. And I was so excited for her. I was like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. And so, you know, is that positive or is that negative? Like. That is actually really positive because I'm admiring that. I'm saying, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want that too. So envy, or maybe we would use this old word covetousness, is to say, not to say I want that too, but to say, I want that instead of you. So I want what you have. I want to take that away from you and give that to me. That is the negative form of jealousy, which is envy. There's like an element of greed to it. And, you know, the actual lie behind that is that life is a zero sum game. That if you get that thing, I do not get that thing. And that's absolutely not true. You know, that there's, there's abundance. There's plenty to go around. I could, you know, scroll through social media and, you know, compare myself to other coaches and think to myself, okay, if, you know, Shana does, if Shana gets a client, I do not get that client, right? Okay, well, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm screwed and that there's not enough to go around. There are so many people that need to be helped. And so if I look at life from an abundance mindset instead of from a scarcity mindset, then I won't feel the negative version of jealousy or envy or greed when I'm looking at this other person's, you know, Instagram following. I'll say, wow, good for them. I want to be like them. I want that too for myself instead of I want to take what they have and give it to me instead. So I think we can relate to this feeling of like good jealousy versus bad jealousy. Or, you know, if we want to call good jealousy, jealousy, and we want to use a different word like envy um, or covetousness for the negative form of it. Now let's go back to this idea of selfishness versus self-love. So again, is it about scarcity or is it about abundance? So self-love is abundant. There's plenty to go around. Just because I take care of myself doesn't mean that I'm not taking care of you as a result. 
They are not mutually exclusive. Just because I care for myself doesn't mean that I'm putting me above you. It's just that I matter too. So I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of you because you're a person that I care about. And so, yeah, are there times in life when you actually have to make a hard decision? Yes, but usually those things are not as black and white as we think that they might be or as big of a deal as we think that they might be. We can take care of more than one person. Does anybody, is anybody a parent that has more than one kid? Like, and were you absolutely terrified when you had kid number two? Like how, how am I possibly going to love another person? Well, your love, your heart expands, your heart grows. Um, I felt that way when I was pregnant and I just was so terrified. Like, how am I going to love another person? Is it going to take love away from my husband to now love this child? The answer is no, your heart expands because love is expansive. Fear is contracting. And so ask yourself, how do you know if it's selfishness or self-love? Well, if it's selfish, then it's going to feel like fear. It's going to feel like contracting. It's going to feel like, um, you know, I need to take this for myself. Self-love is expansive, loving, and it's feeling like giving something to yourself. So this idea of taking something versus giving something is something that I see show up a lot because um, in myself and then with the women that I work with, So we give, 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 and we don't intentionally give anything to ourselves. We don't set aside that time for self-care. We're not putting in the, um, putting in the self-care work of planning out our meals and saying, this is what I'm going to eat today. Um, or whatever it might be that you need to practice for self-care, scheduling time in your planner for you to take that walk or go to that class that you wanna go to or read that book or whatever it is that is self-care behavior. If we don't intentionally give that to ourselves and instead we just give, give, give to everybody else, then at the end of the day, we are going to take what we need instead of giving ourselves what we need. And again, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of times this shows up as emotional eating. We get this thing in our head. Have you ever felt like this? We, we think to, your, um, to ourselves, oh, I deserve this, right? And you know what? You do deserve this in the sense that you deserve self-care. You deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel like you're a priority, that you matter too. So you do deserve it. But if you can be proactive about giving yourself what you need, then you won't find yourself stealing what you need. This can apply to food. This can apply to taking time for yourself. Um, I recently read this article. It came out during the pandemic and it like went viral with the New York Times. And I think that it's um, the Chinese created this word for when people um, stay up way too late um, and they call it like revenge bedtime behavior or whatever, because basically like, you felt like you gave to everybody else the entire day and now you have no time left for yourself. And so instead of going to bed at a reasonable time and getting enough hours of sleep to feel like a happy, you know, person the next day, instead you just stay up till like 3 a.m. taking that time for yourself instead of being more proactive and asking yourself the question like, what am I doing with my life? How can I create more time? You know, do I really want to be working 60 hours a week or whatever it might be? So if we could be proactive then that can be self-love as opposed to reactive when wow, we're in this negative place of just like, oh, there's nothing left. There's not enough to go around. I have to take, take, take for myself. So when we go into the red like that, um, so because we, we've spent absolutely everything on everybody else and now we literally have nothing left to spend on ourselves. So we take it. It's like we go into the red instead of being in the black. And that just robs us of our goals 
and it could be a self-defeating cycle that we get in over and over again. So we talked about where do you need to set boundaries? If you are not really sure where that is, ask yourself, where do I feel resentment? Where do I feel anger? Um, what is an unmet need that I have? What is an unset boundary that I might have? And just kind of lean into that and see what you can uncover. And, you know, sometimes it's a very real thing that you will have to make a choice between letting somebody else down or letting yourself down. And letting other people down is very difficult and it will lead to guilt. You will feel guilty about that when you say no to somebody and that's okay. Um, it's not something to run away from because the flip side is if you let yourself down, that will lead to resentment and that leads to self-betrayal basically and a lack of self-trust. And if you can't trust yourself, then you know that's gonna create such a, a way more miserable life than letting somebody else down. You can make it up to people. You can make more deposits into the relationship if you have to make a withdrawal. Re remember that you know it's like a bank account in any relationship in your life. You're gonna make deposits and you're gonna make withdrawals. If you are just, you know, if you need to tell your kid, I'm sorry, I can't play with you tonight. Well, the relationship isn't bankrupt because of that. Um, you can make more deposits. You can recover from that. And even if you do feel, do feel guilty, you'll be able to overcome that. But resentment, that is way more difficult to overcome because that requires forgiving yourself as opposed to forgiving somebody else. And that can be way more difficult to do. It requires building up trust within yourself again. And the only way to do that is to stop letting yourself down. So little by little, we need to keep those small promises to ourselves to build that trust back up. And you know, the number one regret of people who are dying, and this is from um, the top, the top um, is it the top five regrets of the dying? Brownie Ware wrote this amazing book about it. And of course you could just Google this. I think it's the top five regrets of the dying. But the number one regret is, I wish I lived a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. Like, wow, how telling is that? That that is the number one thing that people regret when they get to the end of their lives. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Self-love, self-care, you know? We, we think that the solution to living, you know, a life that we're proud of is just to constantly be a martyr and to put ourselves on the back burner. No, when you get to the end of your life, you'll regret not being true to yourself. You'll regret not taking care of yourself. You'll regret not prioritizing your goals and your dreams and your desires. And again, remember, these things are not mutually exclusive. Just because you take care of yourself does not mean that you fail at taking care of other people. There's enough to go around. You love yourself and you love other people. A boundary allows you to love both yourself and other people at the same time. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in with me this morning. We've talked about reason number three, why we don't set boundaries, why we think it's because we think it's selfish to set boundaries. And next week, we're going to be covering the last reason um, in our series about why we don't set boundaries. And it's going to be the fact that we have low self-worth. I hope you loved this episode. Remember to grab the free holiday guide and the free emotional eating class from the links in the show notes. If you're feeling generous too and would like to give to me too, you can give me a review of this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also give me a review on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the keto fit. It only takes a moment of your time and you have no idea how much it means to me. I'm a words of affirmation, love language person, and I absolutely treasure the words that you leave me. I do. I read them when I'm feeling low and it is pure rocket fuel for me. 
The reviews also help me to grow and to help more women. Seriously, I have had clients tell me that they just knew that they had to work with me after reading reviews. So it's really an amazing gift to me. You can also give me a referral by telling others about my podcast and about my coaching. And if you want to give more, you can even send me a tip of any amount at paypal.me slash the keto fit. I also hope that you'll give yourself the gift of investing in yourself and your health journey by working with me as your coach. You can learn more about my coaching services at theketofit.com. I work with clients one-on-one and I help you transform your life in eight weeks. And I also have a self-coaching online course called the Self-Care Keto Mindset Masterclass. All the info, including my prices, are up on my website, and you can sign up for a completely free curiosity call. I would love to get to know you better and tell you more about how I can help you. If you're not yet following me on social media, make sure that you do. I'm on facebook.com slash theketofit, instagram.com slash theketofit, linkedin.com slash in slash theketofit. You can get encouragement and tips from me every single day. I also love engaging with you in my direct messages. And if you have a question, advice is always free. I'm cheering for you. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next week here on the pod.